Romans 12, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to go to verse 5. Romans 12, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Hey, we are in a three-week mini-series, but this week is the last week. Uh, we decided uh, just that we would not do the last part last week and then move it to this week. So we're going to do the renewal of all things, and that's what we're going to be talking about here in a minute. Uh, but uh, just really quick, just so you know what is going to be coming up is uh, starting next week, we're going to start a series on prayer. Uh, and then there's a few things that uh, we're going to be doing and, and inviting everyone in to participate, uh, as I'll talk about here throughout um, our time. But I at least just wanted to give you a heads up that we're going to be talking. We have a series on prayer and all we called it was pray. Pray, period. Um, I, I don't have the graphic. We do have one, but I don't have it here. But at the end of the day, just know that that's the series that we're going to be stepping into. And we're just going to be stepping into really just kind of a month of prayer. Uh, it's going to be four weeks. Uh, we're just going to, there's a few things there that we're going to be doing uh, that I'll, I'll sprinkle throughout here. But I at least just wanted to give you that heads up. And so uh, what we intend to do with this series every week is, uh, sorry, every year rather, is to be able to uh, ensure that we keep the mission of Ecclesia City before everyone here and what and steward really what the Lord has given us to steward. And so uh, our hopes, I just want to remind you, is that we would become equipped in the mission of Ecclesia City. So every year around this time, we're just going to take some time just to remind ourselves I, that we believe this is what the Lord has called us to. And so it's to remember, hey, this is who we are. And I'll remind you of who we are. And then two, that we would allow the mission of Ecclesia City to align our practice to our confession, which empowers us to become or to embody a kingdom culture. Okay. And we'll, I'll explain that also here. So what is our mission? Let's recap a little bit. Our mission is is that we are a gathered people in the city for the renewal of all things. And so what we've covered is that we are a gathered people and that we are in the city. Ecclesia of city means, or ecclesia rather, means a called out people. And it's translated in the New Testament as church, okay? But 
in a more general sense, I don't know if you are aware of this, but this is actually not a word that is unique to the New Testament. In a general sense, uh, ecclesia is, is the Greek word, really, that means a group that meets together, whether it's for a political or religious or civic purpose. All it means is to gather. You have been called out to so that you can gather for a particular purpose. And Ecclesia City, or here at Ecclesia City, we are a gathered people in the city for what purpose? For the renewal of all things. Okay? So the connotation of the word is really not religious in nature, not just religious. It's a group that has been called out of their daily routines to gather around a common purpose in a particular place. And place is important because the place determines your action. Okay? So this is why our mission is that we are gathered people in the city for the renewal of all things. We are gathered under a common narrative, which is? The kingdom has come. Yes, you're awake today. And the common ethics of abide with zealous devotion, serve with sincere love, and remember with humble peacemaking. And we strengthen our ethics through spiritual practices. Silence and solitude, scripture, prayer, Sabbath, generosity, serving, living in community, simplicity and fasting. And we do all this in the city through community formation. Now, I've said before, and I'll say it again here, that we are committed to consistently evaluate our plans against our methods. Evaluate our actions against our motives. And we want our practice as a church to be aligned to our confession. And we want our confession to be in line with what the Lord is speaking to us for such a time as this. And we're committed that if there be any sort of discrepancy, we've said, uh, or any sort of discrepancy between practice and confession, what we want to do is continually ask the Holy Spirit to help us make the shift into proper alignment so that we can continue to be about what God is about so that we can continue to be about what God has called Ecclesia City uh, specifically to here in the city of Dallas, okay? Now, uh, before I jump into some of this, I, I really just wanna make a, a quick like announcement and introduce or at least reveal, show you, uh, uh, announce uh, our uh, leadership community because I, 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 want, I want you to know that before moving forward into mission and renewal, uh, this leadership community, we have said that is a collective of Ecclesia City members that lead the church through their faithful witness into the renewal of all things. Things. Now we've all met about it. Um, we have we've we've all vetted those that applied for it, and now uh, I just want to show you uh, just a, a few of these people. These individuals are tasked to lead us as a community through ministries that we are establishing and in the process of growing. These leaders then are taking on a more active role. They have said, yes, I want to take on a more active role in the mission of EC. And we hope uh, to continue to grow this team 
And as EC grows and as others continue to aspire to leadership. And so the leaders that are going to be leading us are, uh, I'll just kind of run through this real quick. Trey, uh, worship and community formation. He's going to be a part of that. Sammy is going to be leading uh, in the areas of prayer and with our kids. Karen is going to be leading within the areas of hospitality and connections. And then Eric is going to be leading in the area of Alpha. And then Kristen uh, is going to be leading in the area of formation. And so I really just wanted to introduce you to those people because at the end of the day, we're all going to be working together with them. And I just want to say thank you uh, to all the leaders that have stepped up and gone through the process and have said, I'm in and taking up the charge uh, and, and leading us unto renewal. Uh, these individuals are going to take a, a just a more active role, uh, even than what we have been doing on a regular basis to be able to step into this leadership. So even as you have questions, as you have uh, maybe thoughts, uh, please share them with your leaders. Uh, a lot of times what happens is I know that Lauren, Mel, and I are available, but for some reason, there's maybe more comfortability to talk with somebody that may be more familiar with what is happening in any of these particular areas. Please know Mel, Lauren, and I are still available. Like we want to be able to have conversations, questions, all of those things. But we also want to provide other individuals to be able to help lead us in this charge because these individuals are going to be spoken uh, focus in specifically on these areas. And so to the leaders, thank you for stepping up and saying, I'm in. Uh, we are looking forward to this time. Uh, and then for everyone else, uh, everyone here, uh, let's love them. Let's support one another. Let's, let's ask them questions. They are here to serve. Okay, uh, we're going to be sharing this more as we move along, especially as we do just various different things. But just know that these are the people that are going to be taking on the helm of some of these areas so that so that honestly, like Lauren, Mel and I uh, don't have to necessarily focus in on the details of it as much. And these individuals can focus in on those details. Okay, so let me say this, though. Last year, whenever we talked about the renewal of all things, I told you the story of the Azusa revival. Do you remember that? And the events leading up to God using a man named William J. Seymour to gather people to pray and start what is now known as part of the Pentecostal and charismatic traditions of Christianity, right? That one uh, moment in history, that one event in 1901, essentially launched America into establishing uh, a whole movement that is now called Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement because of that one uh, situation where God poured out his spirit on Azusa Street. Now today, what I want to do is I want to stir you by showing you a small glimpse uh, into what happened at Asbury in February of this year. You ready? That afternoon, I had to teach class at one o'clock and I remember commencing class and a couple of students were awfully distracted. You could tell that they didn't want to be there. At 1.30 p.m., halfway through class, four students barged into my classroom unannounced, a sweat running down their face, which I found out later was actually tears, and they declared very loudly, Prof Rob, you have to go to Hughes Auditorium now. Revival is breaking. Oh, yeah. 
it was a little bit too much to take in on first sight. One, because it seemed so ordinary and basic, but at the same time, it seemed so pure. The worship that we experienced was not polished. It had no tech behind it. In fact, a lot of the worship leaders were identified uh, simply prophetically. They were just invited out of the prompting of the Spirit. We didn't really know their level of talent, but it was as pure as it could be. It was all back to like the origins and it was like, it was scripture and it was prayer. We just heard stories upon stories. People just didn't want to leave. We are so programmed and planned that we don't give any waiting to God. We're beholding Jesus and only Jesus. There was this, this theology of lingering that began to develop. They're the ones who were sensitive enough to say, something's different, we're going to stay. It became a snowball and then students that were still like clenching their teeth and holding on didn't want to be there but couldn't get away eventually broke and they began to share their stories i mean there was a spirit of forgiveness a spirit of like turning towards one another it was repentance it was confession it was at the altar desiring more of jesus i've never known repentance to feel so compelling the kindness of god leading to repentance and people were surprised like think that they're coming to experience some sort of awesome revival and find themselves in repentance it's just like it takes your breath away and like that's our god the awe and the wonder it was this irresistible invitation out of the hearts of these gen z leaders into actually what you were created for real given over life for god that's what we want to see so much of what has happened in Wilmore, Kentucky is not for Wilmore, Kentucky. It's not for Asbury. It's for the world. Now's the time for just a consecrated life, a life of continuing travail, crying out, and really just radically trusting God. And so I encourage, I urge, I compel my sisters and brothers, church leaders, if there's one thing that you can do, get down on your knees and pray. Believe in the power of prayer. The Lord hears us. Our callings do occur today. It could actually shift the landscape of the society, like it did for these tens of thousands of people walking into his auditorium. But it could be for, for each of our churches. As I was preparing this, um, I honestly just couldn't hold tears back. Uh, I was privileged to go to Asbury and hear really just these firsthand accounts of some of these people that are in the video are actually up on the on the panel here that we got the opportunity to hear. And, and what uh, really the testimonies that were coming from uh, these particular individuals just really uh, moved everyone in the room, like like gripped our hearts in such in such ways that there was a, a few moments uh, where uh, one before this moment that you see pictured here, uh, like pastors were literally just on their faces, just repenting before the Lord and just crying out, Lord, would you do it again? And um, and then after this moment, we went into a time of worship, and um, and I and I just remember uh, really how the Lord 
uh, even after I was preparing this, how he met me in Hughes Auditorium. Uh, and, and, and as I was laid out on the altar, uh, here's where what I wrote in my journal as I was processing what happened in that moment. I said, personally, I learned what it means to die to self. Uh, during an already extended time of worship, truly, y'all, like it felt like we were, I was in an Ecclesia City and it was like one of these 45-minute worship sets. And whenever I looked down on my watch, it was two and a half la hours later. Wow. Okay. And, and I said, so during an already extended time of worship, I was on my face, uh, pressed to the floor, and it was there that I died. I mortified self and my desires. Uh, the desire to be pleased and the desire to be seen died. And I had a deeper revelation that I'm seen by my father. And I was begging God to rid me of my sinful desires. And I was being brutally honest and confessing my desires and digging the grave and laying in it saying, God, kill me. And at that moment, the simple worship that was taking place on stage began singing about the goodness of God. And I remember the Lord's faithfulness to that point in my life and the phrase, your goodness is running after me, caused in that moment my flesh to die. And I was given a new perspective, the perspective that it is the Lord's kindness that leads to repentance. And it is the Lord's goodness that causes sin to die and self to decrease. And I'm reminded of a truth that keeps coming up in ministry and it keeps coming up in pastoring. And there, here's the truth. Jesus is better. Yeah. And so you see, I, I, one of the things that I just kept saying as I was with my face pressed down to that floor, I just kept saying, God, may I decrease so that you would increase. And then as I was uh, just like hearing and remembering some of the stories that they were telling us, I, I just remember being literally like right in this area here that you see pictured there, just right there on the altar. And I remember just holding on to those posts that were right there. And I just, I just pleaded with God and I just said, uh, God, do it again. I just said, God, do it again. Do it among us in Dallas and do it more specifically. Do it at Ecclesia City. And I've asked the Lord and I've pleaded with the Lord and I've uh, come home from this moment and, and, and just responded to the Lord's invitation. And I have just asked the Lord, Lord, do not let me die without seeing a great move of God in my lifetime. Don't let me die. And when I pray this, I'm just flooded with memories, honestly, of, of prophetic words that have been spoken about Dallas, that Dallas would be the next place where the Holy Spirit will be poured out. But I believe that revival, uh, the revival to happen here will be unlike any of the others preceding it. In fact, you even heard uh, Dave, David Thomas or one of the professors say that the, 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 even the leaders at Asbury believe that Asbury was simply a doorway to other outpourings that will eclipse what happened at Asbury. They said what happened at Asbury is not for Asbury. What happened at Asbury is for the nations. It's for the world. So I believe it will not only consist of people's individual lives being renewed, but those individual lives will step into their moment in history and be agents of renewal in their spheres of influence. The interesting thing about Asbury is that it's a two light little town. 
And in that two light little town, over a hundred thousand people came into that two light little town. And what's so crazy is that one of the stories is uh, revival and outpouring had actually happened about 20, 30 years ago. And the reason why it ended was because the leaders of the church could not get on the same page about what they needed to do next. And so it fizzled out because there was dissension and disunity and discord that happened. But here's the crazy thing about that is that 30 years later, whenever this outpouring hit the university, those uh, fifth, uh, what was it, uh, 15 of the 22 leaders, because the others had already died, 15 of those leaders gathered again in this church that had died because of this dissension and disunity. And they sat at the altar because the building still exists. And they sat at the altar confessing to one another and repenting with one another. And it was out of that, that now Asbury is being transformed, not just because there's a Christian university or a seminary that's there, but it's because there is this renewal, renewal that happened, not just in the lives of the individuals, but in the entire town that is now spreading out into all of Kentucky. And now there is about 75 pastors that were there joining us. And we're all now going into our spheres of influence. And we're saying what happened at Asbury can happen here. And so I... Uh, like like the word ecclesia, it's not just going to be confined to a religious gathering, but I believe that it will be it will pour into the societal and political spheres. And I just keep hearing this. This is my prayer over and over and over. Oh God, would you do it again? And so we need an Ecclesia City will be for renewal, the renewal of all things. And as a gathered people in the city, we are on mission to bring kingdom renewal to all things, to bring kingdom renewal to ourselves, to our community and our culture. That's what we are about. That's what we want to be for not against. We want to be known that we are for renewal, things coming back to life that were once dead, the things that were once dead, these desires that we had for the Lord that maybe are sitting dormant or sitting apathetic. We want to be a church that is for renewal. So what is renewal? What is kingdom renewal? Kingdom renewal consists of realigning with God's presence and partnering with him in his purposes. That's what it means. It means to realign with God's presence and partner with him in his purposes. And we are on a mission to contend for transformation. And so renewal then is personal. And personally, we will contend, we want to contend to become more like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit through abiding in Jesus with zealous devotion. Now, we have been in this series now, this is now the third week, and we've been camping out in Romans 12. And then we, and particularly in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, they tell us that we ought to give our bodies as living sacrifices and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So this phrase to offer our body, like offer your body as a living sacrifice, it's synonymous with your being. And Paul is urging us to give ourselves, our complete selves to the work of God and what he is doing on this earth. And the way that we ought to get ready to know his will is by not conforming to the patterns of this world, but by being transformed. Do you see that? 
So don't be uh, conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't be conformed to the things that are basically telling you to stray away and crawl off of the altar that you ought to give your life as a living sacrifice, but let your entire being be about what God is doing. Let your mind be renewed in that way. That when you want to crawl off the altar, I I just love that imagery. So I'm going to keep saying it. When you want to crawl off of it, the Lord is saying, allow my spirit to renew your mind in such a way to let you know that that is the better place. So by encountering Jesus, we are transformed by abiding in him. Look at John 15. And I just, I, I put it up here because John 15, four through eight, lets us know what it means to abide in him. Jesus is speaking and he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And this is my father's, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, abiding in something makes us become like that thing being grafted into Jesus, remaining in him makes us so in line with him and his will that the promise Jesus gives is that we can ask whatever we wish and it will be done because we are aligned with his purposes. That's because our desires become his desires. And so my personal prayer request, the one that that is for me and one that if you're ever thinking about me and you're like, I wonder what Johnny's doing and you feel like, hey, I just need to pray for Johnny. Here's, Here's my prayer request. God, would you increase Johnny's hunger and thirst for you? Like truly, like if there's, that's the best prayer you could ever pray. God, would you increase Johnny's hunger and thirst? And, and, and I want more of him to the degree that I'm bearing the fruit of the spirit. I don't want to conform to what culture and the world say I should conform to. I want to give in to what God is saying and make it my life's work to be more like him. And that is the, my prayer for me, but that is also my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that you would know that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Not remaining in Jesus means that you would actually wither. And so my prayer for you is that you would hunger and thirst for his righteousness to increase in you. That you would allow the Holy Spirit to prune the areas that keep you from encountering him. And at times, I'm just going to say, that's going to be hard. You see, dying to self is not pleasant because we want our own desires and we and want to be planted in our own soil with our own root system to dictate what it is that we do with our own time and our own thoughts. Oh, but remaining in Jesus means I'm not my own. 
It means that I'm grafted into him, into his root system and into his vibrancy. It is remaining in him that our desires get aligned with uh, his and he invites us to ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And just in case you doubt it, look at verse eight. God's glory depends on his ability to fulfill the desire. Want to be more like Jesus? God's glory depends on it. Renewal is simply realigning your desires with God's presence and partnering with him in his purposes. So here's my exhortation for you personally. Encounter Jesus. Encounter Jesus. And so then what we're going to do is that we're going to follow the logic of Romans 12. You see, Paul starts out with the personal. He says, offer your bodies. Do not conform. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Test and approve God's will. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And the the reason this is important is because look at the switch that Paul makes in in verse 4. He says that there are many members and not all of them have the same function. So we go from the one to the many, from the personal to the communal, from the introspection to now looking outside of yourself and recognizing that there is more than just yourself in this. So renewal is also social. Could you imagine what would happen if we actually lived out what we're talking about today? I mean, if each of you individually are renewed and desire to be more like Jesus and and we thought what Jesus thought and we did what Jesus did and we were to be who Jesus was, if we were to abide with zealous devotion and and serve with sincere love and remember with humble peacemaking, we we uh, we I think we might actually be seen as the Christians were seen in the city of Antioch, where it was there where they were so much like Jesus that they that the people around them began to call them Christians for the very first time because the term Christian means little Christ. They looked like Jesus so much that they they were just these little Christs that were walking around everywhere that they went. And instead of being known as the Christians who stand at the periphery as or are cultural Christians at best, what would happen if we actually stepped into this renewal and abiding with Jesus? What would be that outworking? You see, I believe that Romans 12 also tells us what would happen. You ready? It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And then it says, be devoted to one another in love. You begin to honor one another above yourself. You would never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You would be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You would share with the Lord's people who are in need and you would practice hospitality. You would bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Not being proud, but being willing to associate with people of low position. And you would not be conceited. 
do not repay. You would not be repaying anyone evil for evil. You would be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you would live at peace with everyone. You wouldn't take revenge, friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, God says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you would feed him. If he is thirsty, you would give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. You would not be overcome by evil, but you would overcome evil with good. And so society or communally, his presence aligns us with his purposes to be empowered by the Holy Spirit as ministers of reconciliation who seek peace and prosperity, not just for ourselves, but for our city. And we would lead others unto renewal so that they are transformed more into the image of Jesus and take missional action to make our common narrative and ethic a part of every facet of our lives and society. Y'all? A good litmus test to determine whether you are abiding in Jesus is to check your your heart and assess any sort of bitterness, if, if there be any sort of bitterness or dissension that may be within you for anyone. Because if renewal is societal, at any given point, uh, any one of us is going to get hurt while we live out this life. I know you've heard it out of the churches and I'm going to say it here at EC, stay at EC long enough and you will get hurt. Yet what we are wanting to do and what we are going to do is that we're going to walk the tension of allowing the Lord to deal with our hearts and love others sincerely by doing good to them. That is how, honestly, these verses are bracketed. This whole paragraph that Paul writes is bracketed by two statements. First statement, verse nine, love must be sincere. And then if you go down to the very bottom, the closing bracket is, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And everything in between these two statements are the practicals of the fruit of renewal in your life, spilling out into society, spilling out into this community, and it's renewal taking place in a, in a societal or in a communal way. And so we honestly, I, I, I just want to um, not go into all the detail about this particular thing because we just literally went through uh, four weeks of talking in detail as we were ending Revelation about our renewal framework. But what we want to do is we want to take missional action by practicing five renewal pursuits that we call our renewal framework. And if you've never discipled someone or you desire to be discipled yourself, this is a framework to follow. And the one that we will use here at Ecclesia City to help one another grow to be more like Jesus and model who Jesus is in our spheres of influence. So I want to remind you of the framework so that you know how we want to engage in discipleship. Encounter. Encounter is the fuel of renewal. The fuel of renewal is found in encountering God's presence. That if we're talking about renewal, uh, if we're going to say that we're going to be about the renewal of all things, then we must encounter he who renews us. Mm -hmm. 
Encounter is at the center and it is the power or the fuel behind all other renewal pursuits. We encounter God when we commune with him through worship, prayer, and studying his word. And when we encounter him, we are transformed and renewed, becoming living sacrifices before him, able to know his will. And encountering is a daily pursuit as we turn to him for the mission ahead. And all of the other pursuits uh, uh, ebb and flow from the encounter pursuit. Engage. Engage is the invitation of renewal. We proclaim the good news of the gospel by being witnesses in our community and inviting others to join in. We act as redemptive agents by serving our community to see needs met, the lost saved, and justice restored. A quick note about this. As we step into our prayer series, I want you to already start thinking about this particular exercise that we're going to be doing during this entire month. There's going to be a board that is going to have these little tags on it. And these tags are going to be available so that you would write a person's name on there that is needing to encounter Jesus. More specifically, that is needing to uh, need needing the salvation of Jesus. And what we're going to do as a community is that when we gather for our prayer times, we are going to be engaging in this way, by praying for them to come to know the Lord. Because here's what I personally am, am, am sensing. I love this group, this community, these people that are sitting around this room. It's awesome. I, I love it. I love how we're growing deep. And now I, I, I simultaneously, in the simultaneous way that we're growing deep, I want us to start growing wide. And what I mean by that, that if, if there is something that the Lord has done in you, you can't help but renewal for renewal to spill out in society and in your community. You can't help but talk about the goodness of God and what he has done. So I'm not asking you to go up to a complete stranger and saying, hey, Jesus love you. I'm asking you to write a name down of someone that you actually know and who actually knows you, but they don't know Jesus. And you can actually tell them about the goodness of God in your life and how they, how you have been transformed. And they will be able to see the fruit of what Jesus has done in your life. That is how we're going to engage in this time moving forward. Next, embody. Embody is the movement of renewal. It is here where we will model who Jesus is and be open to allowing ourselves to be sharpened. It is here where we will continually align our practice with our confession. We will go out into the world being ministers of reconciliation, ministering to others as the Holy Spirit leads. There's going to be opportunities during this prayer month where maybe the Lord is just continuing to renew you. And my hope is, is that he would light you up in such a way that you can't help but even talk to strangers about the goodness of God in your sphere of influence, wherever you may be, and that you would actually uh, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if he says, go pray for that person, that you would do it, not because you are using eloquent words, but because your following is prompting and is leading. Equip. Equipping is the work of renewal. When we are equipped, we unlock spiritual rest by reclining in the knowledge of the holy. Meaning we are equipped in such a way that we come to recognize that the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. We come to know the scriptures and allow ourselves to be shaped and molded into becoming more like Jesus. And this is primarily the Spirit's work and not some behavioral modifications that honestly lead to nothing. 
So in this equipping, uh, we're going to keep our Friday uh, prayer. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of saying this, and we'll, I'll repeat this whenever we step into this prayer series. But we're going to keep our Friday prayer rhythms. But we're also going to be inviting everyone, anyone who wants to come prior to service at 3 o'clock. We're just going to start praying prior to service starting. So if you want to come, come. If you want to invite others to come in, come, invite others to come in. Here's something that we learned at Asbury, and here was a charge that was given to us. What if, uh, th this is something that John Wesley, sorry, let me back up. John Wesley uh, was actually the one who uh, uh, was encouraging churches, invite the lost to your prayer gatherings. And during the Second Great Awakening, what they would do is that they would invite the lost into these prayer gatherings because the lost would come and they would hear what the individuals were praying for them that didn't know Jesus. And they were so compelled by the love and the, and the, and the travail that they had that they couldn't help but to turn. May our hearts be so lit for those that don't know Jesus because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that Jesus is better. And so let's just join in in that. Let's join in and pray to that end. Empower. Empower is the activation of renewal. Everyone here is called by God in the scriptures to be Christ ambassadors in the world. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is making his appeal through us so that others would be reconciled to God. And so we hope and desire and pray for Ecclesia City to be empowered by the Spirit and be sent out to bring renewal in their spheres of influence in our city unto the ends of the earth. And this is where we would function in what Peter in First Peter 2.9 calls our royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. You are priest in the world. Right. You are leading others to find God in all things and you are representing others before God. That is your call. That is your high call. And I don't know about you, but when I think about this, when I think about renewal, my heart, this is honestly one of my favorite topics, topics to talk about. Because when I think about renewal, I think about all that the Lord has done and everything that he has done has not been through the will of a man. Like we talked about Azusa Street. Azusa Street was, was, was the son of a slave who ended up uh, coming to California on a request to uh, uh, pastor a church. And that church, whenever he showed up, didn't like the way that he preached, that they literally shut the doors and locked the doors, changed the locks on the doors and wouldn't let him back inside that church. And so what he decided to do is that he decided to go pray at a different spot. And there was a person that got healed that led to the Azusa Street Revival. Remember this story? Yes. Okay, Asbury, Asbury is literally, uh, uh, J David Thomas has been praying for 30 years wow. that the Lord would send an outpouring back to Asbury. He was a pastor in one of those churches there in um, uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. And he was there praying for 30 years. God, would you do it again? And one of the things that he said is, man, I feel like Simeon, uh, whenever Mary showed up, with Jesus in her womb. Well, no, whenever she showed up to dedicate Jesus and Simeon said, now my eyes have seen the Savior and I can die. Wow. 
And David Thomas says, I'm ready for the Lord to take me because I have seen what I have been praying for. Yeah. And so, y'all, I don't know about you, but like there's this uh, fire that is in my heart to be able to say, Lord, would you do it again here? Would you do it in me? Would you do it in the people that are sitting around this room? And this is not just something that I just want to talk about, but it's something that I, I, I want. I've already told Sammy this because she, I'm just going to use her as an example. The other day she was praying, uh, we were all praying in here and she goes, Lord, would you grip Johnny? Would you wake him up in the middle of the night? And I said, Sammy, please don't pray that for me. Pray that the Lord will wake me up at the right time because here's the deal. <laughs> Because I, I want us to pray bold prayers like that. And y'all, I'm praying that the Lord would grip you, whether it's in the middle of the night, the middle of the day, or whether it's at some point in between. The point is, is that you would be so gripped by God that you would have to build out this space, build out this space where you can meet with God. Y'all, this isn't, this isn't for um, uh, truly... Please hear my heart on this. This isn't for the sake of pride or to, or to boast. But whenever I came back from Asbury, I clearly heard the Lord say, I need you to build your prayer closet. And y'all, I have, I have this office in here. I even told Laura and I said, I, I feel weird doing this. But uh, we had a garage sale and we just kind of, I've removed all sorts of stuff from my, from my uh, uh, closet. And it, whenever I got back from this trip, I remember that I was in my closet and I was like, you know, getting changed. And the Lord said, this is the closet that I want you to build. Yeah. And so literally th there's like this small space. I, I can, I, I'm not going to say I can barely fit in there because I would be too self-deprecating, but, uh, but I, I can fit in there. But I literally just sit on the floor and I close the door to the closet and I'm in there just because I want to be obedient to what the Lord has asked of me. And my desire is that you would be obedient to what the Lord has asked of you. That's it. That's why I'm saying that. There's nothing special about this room. There's nothing special about this closet, but that you would be obedient about what the Lord has, has specifically said to you and that you would take that step in boldness. Many people may not understand it. Many people may, may, may be like, whoa, where did this come from? But here's the deal, y'all. When the Lord asks you to step out, step out. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to step out and say, I need prayer or I have this word and I want to share it, please do so. Lead, lead in that way. Go pray for somebody. Go, go like, like literally just allow the Spirit to use you in that way. But please, I beg of you that you would do so not as a way to be able to... Uh, 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 maybe exalt yourself or do, do so in, in, in boasting or in pride, but make sure that it's coming out of the place of your encounter with the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Because that's coming right. out of the place of your encounter right. with the Lord, that's where you're aligned with the Lord's purposes. That's, that's where you're aligned with Him. And God knows I don't want to speak anything that has His name attached to it if it's not Him that's actually speaking, but it could be my own sense or my own mind. So let it be birthed in that place. Mm -hmm.
And as we go through this prayer series, I'm really looking forward to it because I believe that there is a word there that the Lord is wanting for us to exercise and move into and start and start flexing these muscles that we have been trying to build for so long. It takes some time. And so this prayer series, this prayer time, it's going to be a month of prayer. And my prayer is that it would keep going, honestly. That the rhythms that we build out in this time would continually move forward. Why? Because we're going after the renewal of all things. Mm -hmm. The renewal of our hearts and the renewal of all of society. So here's ministry time. Mm -hmm. These are honestly the same questions from last year. Mm. Are you hungry for more of God? What do you need to confess and repent of today? What is your next step into renewal? Are you hungry? Like who, I, I can just hear this, This um, I can hear Isaiah 6 right now. Hmm. Where Isaiah says, um, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And around him were two seraphs with six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they would not cease day and night to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth shall be filled with his glory. Or the whole earth is filled with his glory. And he says that the, that the threshold of the doorpost began to shake. And it was in that moment, he says, I heard, uh, I fell to the ground. And there's this whole scene that happened where he basically said, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. But then he heard the voice of God from the throne crying out, who will go for us? Who will go for us? And this is the famous phrase that we hear a lot of times where Isaiah replied and he said, here I am, Lord, send me. But it is out of this encounter with the Lord that the Lord is the one who cries out to him, who will go? And I think that that is what the Lord is doing. That if we're going to be a gathered people in the city, a gathered, a gathered people under a common narrative, and the common narrative is that the kingdom has come. What kingdom? God's kingdom. It's not ours. It's his. That in the year that Johnny died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. In the year that, insert your name into that blank, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up. Something about King Uzziah, real quick, is that King Uzziah was a prideful king who actually thought that he was going to live forever. And it was in the year that he died that Isaiah saw the king who will actually never die seated on his throne. So grass withers, flowers fade. We're all going to pass away. His throne, we learn, and the Davidic covenant is established forever. 
And so, y'all, let's be after the kingdom of God. Let's be after what he is wanting to renew. Let's be after this narrative of the kingdom has come because it's true, it's real, it's right. It's the thing that we're going after. So are you hungry for more of God?